Do you think somebody like Russell Brand could overthrow the government? That's a, that's a really stupid question. That is like asking me, is he the Messiah? No, he's not. He's a very naughty boy. God, please make me a channel of your peace. But where there is hatred, I may bring love. But where there is error, I may bring truth. But where there is despair, I may bring hope. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort but than to be comforted, to love than to be loved. The peace exists. All I have to do is become open and the peace will come. Connect, transcend, get out of myself. That is what I've been trying to do my whole life. Get out of my mind, get out of greys, get out of the feeling that I'm not good enough, that I'm alone, that I'm never gonna be happy or loved. As a little boy, chocolate and television were deities to me. As a teen with porn, I was locked up in that bathroom, flagellating with stifled wails. With drugs and alcohol, I made the pilgrimage to any bridge or corner and made my donations in the penury my God demanded. Then came fame, where I studied like Augustine and voyaged like a Jesuit. I was a zealous devotee to every prophet of the panoply and none bore anything but pain and disillusion. When I necked five quid bottles of vodka, I did not read the label. When I scored rocks and bags off tumbleweed hobos, I conducted no litmus test. As I sought sanctuary in the twilight cemeteries entombed in strangers' limbs, I barely even asked their names. But when the true dawn came, I had no faith. I had questions. How do I know this is real? Well, this guy's juvenile. What if it doesn't work? His solution is completely nuts. How can I, after everything, just trust and let go? He used to be so funny, and now he's just an ass. Well, and now he doesn't have Katy Perry, so he's like a nobody. I still have questions. So here we go. Sit down and strap in. Ladies and gentlemen, Russell's Rush. Laughter is unifying. Laughter is recognition, identification. I find it the most exciting and beautiful thing. It's salvation. I believe in it. Make people laugh, and then because of the trust and elation solicited by that laughter, we can change the entire culture. Jesus seems really lovely. What I've read in the Bible, everything he says seems kind of cool. Love thy neighbor as you love thyself. The kingdom of heaven is within. 
Sounds all right, doesn't he? Sounds sort of like a hippie, commie, gay type of a guy. <laughs> so where's this Jesus of the far right fucking coming from? You think it was called the Bible? Don't be a fucking puff. Like, <laughs> it's not in there. There's no mention of the old gayness in the anus. Purility, scatology, and revulsion are the gel ignite for consciousness. That's where you explode ideas. And then with that new terrain, like after a forest fire, new things can grow. You'd think if Jesus was that bothered about homosexuality, he had the perfect opportunity to address the subject in his top 10 do's and don'ts. The Ten Commandments, put it in there, innit? Number 10, don't be gay. Nip it in the bud, innit? Kill it dead. But it ain't considered as important from a biblical perspective as the 10th commandment, thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's oxen. <laughs> it's not considered as important as that. Jesus! I've had an awful day at work. Either I'm going to fuck this geezer in the ass, or I'm going to cover my neighbour's oxen. Oh, you better not do that, mate. You, uh, away you go. <laughs> Cheers, Jesus. I'm going to slide my hard cock up his ass, my balls, banging on his balls. Yeah, 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 we don't really have a policy on that, mate. But <laughs> don't look over next door's fence at that oxen. Then imagine, in your mind, what would it be like if that oxen was my oxen? Don't fucking do that, will ya? No, I won't, you. I'm going to come in his ass, and I'm going to suck my cum out of his arsehole, kiss him on the gob so there's rivulets of cum connecting us like an Isambard Kingdom Brunel suspension bridge, cum bubbles floating off in the sky like a big gay Christmas. Yeah, 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 do what you got to do, mate. Just remember, that is not your oxen. <laughs> I like that I'm stood there and there's a big picture of Jesus and that I get to be Jesus and I get to be the other guy and I feel the front row and I'm sort of miming the fucking in the ass. I hear them wanting to be shocked and then knowing that they can't because they're a liberal audience and they're not allowed to be shocked by homosexuality. I like it. Russell came into my bedroom and he said that he was the second Jesus. He was very upset that I didn't believe him. What do you mean you don't believe I'm Jesus? This will not do. Imagine Jesus' mum had said that. Oh, him, Finn. I didn't even think he'd like me repeating that. I don't mind. So as what? As long as you believe it now. Because <laughs> he was quite young when he actually said that. That's not the normal thing for a son to say, is it? Do you think a little bit of your nature is transcendent? Yes. Well, a way of saying that is, I think I'm Jesus. This didn't used to be like this. I grew up in a place called Greys in Essex, which is 20 miles to the east of London. This is the back of my street. Its name, Greys, tells you pretty much all you need to know. This is the same. My childhood was about scanning the low grey horizons for the way out of my circumstances. My bedroom. Hello. Hello. I used to live in there. Hello. <laughs> How do you know? <laughs> What's your name? Andre. Alright, Andre. How old are you? 15. You're 15. Huh. Mad. Hello, I'm Russell. I used to live here. Sorry for intruding on your privacy. I just can't get past the concept that I don't live here now. <laughs> Let me see your bedroom, Andre. <laughs> My room. 
all over this wall. Was all things written? There was like little bits like over here. Can you remember what I said? Like some one was like Russell's here. Yeah. I don't remember it this little. This is where I was when I was a baby. There he is. That's his very first day in the world. Russell wasn't planned. I didn't think I could have children. I was absolutely overjoyed. It was a bit of a miracle, really, because my ex-husband and I weren't really getting on very well at all. People think a baby makes a marriage, but if the marriage is rocky, it doesn't, it breaks it. Russell's mother and I split when he was quite young. I was working a lot. She just had a baby, and you know what that can do to a woman, of course. He was a lonely little boy. So often, Russell would stand waiting for his daddy with his coat on. He was eight years old and I had a hysterectomy because I had cancer. I had to stay in the hospital and Russell was being looked after, supposedly, by his dad. He put, Dear Mum, I hope you're feeling well and trying to enjoy yourself. I forgot to feed Topsy, that was our dog, but Dad said it would be good for her, but I didn't believe him. Lots of love, Russell. And he was nine when he wrote that. I think that's so sweet how he says, I forgot to feed Topsy. I had this dog, Topsy. Topsy wasn't allowed upstairs. I really loved Topsy. I used to stand at the top of the stairs and go, Topsy! <laughs> Topsy, come upstairs. This is, I was a little kid, all right, so I must have been damaged. Topsy, come on, darling, come upstairs. And Topsy would look at me in the back of her mind, knowing she wasn't allowed upstairs, I think. Like, look at me and I go, it's all right, come upstairs. Then Topsy would come upstairs, all joyous and innocent. And then I'd go, oh dear, Topsy. You know perfectly well that you're not allowed upstairs. And then, get ready for a bad bit, I'd kick her. I know, I told you it was wrong. And this isn't even the worst bit. When Topsy was at the bottom of the stairs, all confused, I'd go down the stairs and go, oh, fucking hell, Topsy, what happened? That's mental, isn't it? That dog must have thought it lived in the house with twins, one of whom was evil, and lived upstairs, and his nice twin downstairs. Russell had two personalities. He had the most beautiful personality, and that, for me, came from his mother. But then he had this evil side. I think that came from his relationship with his dad. Every time I'd see him, he'd be doing a different business with a different bird. I used to do motivational speaking all over the world, including the States. What were you motivating people to do? Do things. Get out the bloody door. <laughs> Russell had been by himself, you know, his mother with cancer and his dad pff, just pissing off doing his own thing. So he was just left with television. He was listening to Forty Towers, literally three, four years old. That's why he knows everything about British comedy TV, because he was just there eating it. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Check this out. Recently, I had this mad dream. I dreamt this little boy come up to me, seven-year-old little boy. Right, and I was talking to him and he was saying that he wanted me to look after him. And then at that moment I realised the little kid was me. And in that moment, the wallpaper that used to be on this wall flashed like an acid trip, like in a, a hallucinogenic sort of trip, yeah. flashed in my mind. And, in that, and then I woke up and thought, oh my God, I have to take care of myself. I've got cancer. Again, when Russell was 16, 
in this bathroom. My whole life bathrooms have been significant. First of all, locked in bathrooms, like as a little kid having tantrums, then locked in bathrooms as I reached puberty for the obvious reasons, then bathrooms for as I went through sort of bulimia, making myself sick, and then locked in bathrooms as a drug addict. You know, so always, always locked in bathrooms, always locked in bathrooms, and this was the first bathroom I used to lock myself up in. As he got older, he got more rebellious. But then he gained confidence and played Fat Sam in Bugsy Malone and was ad-libbing even then. Top dog, Mr. <laughs> that was when I really felt I can ride a roller coaster of laughter right out of this dumb town. He went to London and he was much, much too young to have left home. But I think that he probably thought that I couldn't get well again and it was too much for him. There was a war between my self-destruction and my creativity. And my creativity would get me opportunities, like audition to get a grant to go to a drama school, got it. So that side of me is going well, but meanwhile, I'm also like sort of using that money they're giving me to develop a quite powerful drug habit. And you know, so I'm drinking a lot, I'm getting drunk on the booze, but also on the myth of the self-destructive artist. Russell then was very loving, but he was very selfish. He wanted to sleep with everybody. Oh man. <laughs> he had that wild side to him. He got that from his dad. His father will go and see prostitutes, and he'll take him to see prostitutes. I wanted to make a man of him. So we went to Hong Kong, to the Mandarin Oriental, which at that time was rated the number one hotel on the planet. And we had a party in the hotel. And the party, as many parties often do, in my experience, uh, we ended up perhaps closer than when we began. <laughs> that was hardcore hookers. Like the sort of uh, fast sexual fast track after that. That was around the time that narrative changed to, I'm a sex person. The last month of drama school, the director of the school kicked him off. He said he was drunk and he was doing drugs. I got thrown out of a drama school and then I realised I've got this thing that I love. I'll do for nothing, like I did do for nothing, for years and years and years and years. Hey, thank you all for coming. In the early days, he would hire a, a room above a pub and he would put his own stand-up show up. And in that room, there could be eight people, but he would do it every week. He was the most ambitious client by a country mile and by far the most difficult. So Russell would come into the agency when he wanted to, which was usually every day. You're trying to run a business and earn some money and pay the rent, and you've got Russell Brand in your office. I would be happy to give him five, six hundred quid just so he went off and he did something. He's always felt that our political system needs shaking up with comedy. Hey, I'm Russell. This here is my local market, right? Spitalfields. And I've heard some disturbing rumours about things going on involving corporations and councillors. I met Russell and he said, we're going to save this market. It's going to be turned into a shopping mall. It seems like you're more interested in making money than people. And that's not right. We did Global Action Direct Action Faction International. Hey, do you want to join our revolution? Do I want to join your revolution? Yeah. Who We're... are you?
Um, Gaddafi, well, what we're planning to do is we're planning to overthrow the government and major corporations just by using fun, really, like, and, and replace it instead with mostly uh, love, kisses, maybe, stuff like that. Would you be interested? He would go away, and on the Monday, he would bring the film back in. And some of it was unwatchable. Mama, I've been a terrible, perishing, naughty fella while you was gone. <laughs> and some of it was brilliant. One of the funnier ones was Russell going around as the elephant man. Excuse me. Excuse me. Ah. Turn your thing off, please. Oh, I'm very ugly, sir. I do warn you, it may offend you. That's right. I'm quite hideous. Yes, well, don't worry. Are you prepared? Yes, I am. Okay, I'm only thinking of your tummy. You right, don't worry. You all right, mate? Come on. Come on, Brian. Good boy, good boy. Yeah, all of this is in the footage we filmed all here. Also, this is where Jack the Ripper done all his murders. What's it called? East London. Don't be alarmed. I'm a saucy Jack, Jack the Ripper. We're holding a little event. Welcome to Spittlebuck's McMarket. Sunday at 3 o'clock. You're welcome to come as well, even though you're on the ground floor, quite literally, of this organisation. We'd love you to come. He did quite a lot to kind of disrupt quite powerful people in the Corporation of London. It was a typical Russell thing, really. I'm stuck. Freedom! Freedom! <laughs> We became friends because we all shared the idea that we should change the world and we should make it better. He is exactly like that still now. He is going to change the world. And you get inspired, especially if you do want to change the world, by people that have. These people you brought up in your stand-up, you know, Gandhi, Shay, Malcolm, Jesus Christ. How does one go from forgetting Sarah Marshall to talking about these things? They were all part of movements that included millions and millions of people and that they were the figurehead. And the things that they were all fighting for are things that we need to fight for today. When you first hear about Malcolm X, it's like, they go, oh, he was like a bad, dark individual. And then you actually read stuff and think, hold on a minute, this guy was amazing. <laughs> like, like, why, why is no one telling you that story? Because that story is inspiring. That story brings people together. That story makes you realise that things can change, that things need to change. Malcolm X, a man who said that he would change the situation for African-Americans by any means necessary. Fucking hell, things are going to change then if we're going to do whatever it takes. Malcolm X would often go to negotiate the release of Nation of Islam members. Wherever Malcolm X went, Nation of Islam protesters also followed. There was that atmosphere outside the Harlem police station that day where it could go either way. You know, when there's a crowd, when it could kick off. Right, I'm going to tell you something now, but it does involve some public nudity. My public nudity. Thank you. Good. I'm glad you feel enthusiastic about it now, because there's two things I want to tell you. One, I was on a lot of drugs that day. A lot of drugs. And two, it was very, very cold that day. <laughs> Don't you remember that, okay? It was in the London streets, there was anti-capitalist protest. The streets were full, the people were ready for action. I thought I should be getting more attention here. I'm standing here, I'm a free person, I live in London, it's where I live. It's where I live, I live here, get off me, I live here. So I see a police van up the front, I thought, fuck, if I get on top of that police van, I'll be visible. <laughs> So 
I peel off my shirt, the people cheer. Yes, I fucking love it. I love the attention. In that moment, I feel like I'm a lightning rod for revolution, a lightning rod for change. Oh, fuck, I forgot to do something really important. Malcolm X successfully negotiates the release of Joseph Hinton as he emerges from the police station. The crowd look expectantly to their leader. Is this a riot situation or a peaceful situation? Malcolm X simply raises his hand and with a single hand gesture, the crowd immediately disperses peacefully. Back to me, I'm on top of the van. People love it, I've took my trousers off, they're cheering, yeah. So I take down my underpants. I think, what the hell, this is for revolution, this is for glory, this is for unity, this is freedom. I wave them around my head, triumphant, revolution. I notice that the crowd have gone a bit quiet and that they seem embarrassed. I look down and, oh man, some, ladies, you've got to know there is a huge capacity for variance in the male member, okay? And this day, he did not show up for me. It was terrible. It looked like there was a bald patch in my pubes. You know, like in a nightmare where you're naked in public on a police van in a riot with an imaginary penis? I panicked and tried to wank it into a normal size. Get bigger, quickly! As a result, I was arrested for a sex crime Indecent exposure, but I tell you, as soon as my hand went to my dick, the crowd began to disperse, you know? It's it like I dispersed the whole crowd with a single hand gesture. So in a way, I'm a little bit like Malcolm X. He chose those characters because he would like to be them to have sacrificed his life for the good of others. But this time, Russell was really on drugs. <laughs> and that's Russell making all of his life collapse. It ruined my life, it ruined his life. But I think you have to go and smash your head before you can change. This is a test, blah, 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 everything's great. Russell's a hopeless addict. We're gonna film him. He was a full-on drug addict, so he was like taking crack and smack pretty much all the time. And I remember just like looking at him, because I've never been that up close to watch someone get that high. And it's almost like Russell disappeared, and this weird zombie was in the room with me. I questioned Russell, and he said, I'm taking heroin and I thought he's gonna die. The strange thing with Russell was how he could work when he was on drugs, but he was getting worse. And when he was in Edinburgh, there was an awful incident. So you want a psychopath? Let's give you people psychopaths, yeah? Is that what you want? Is that what you want? Woohoo! What I would like now is for you to throw solid objects at me. Glass! I want glass! Give me glass! Give me glass! Yes! Later on! Woohoo! Give me some death, you pussy! The fight began with me and someone in the front row and fighting with more people. You fucking waste of oxygen! You air thief! You oxygen-feeding, cock-sucking motherfucker! 
the security come from the venue. <laughs> a windpipe closed. <laughs> Help, no, no. And in some final act of defiance, I smash my leg through the glass. Like, blood was sort of pulsing. You know, sort of, it was coming out of pulsing, according to the rhythm of my heart. Police came and arrested me. I was taken to a hospital, put me in the next bed to an amputee. So said, if this wound had been an inch to the left, we would have had to have amputated the legs. You would have done arterial damage that we would not have been able to reverse. You're an idiot. I gave these little Scottish kids that were waiting around 40 quid to get me some heroin, and <laughs> they didn't come back. <laughs> that was another push into the addiction when that happened. He would have had a few months left of productive work, and then he would have been definitely out of the picture. Chip said to me, if he carries on the way he's going, he'll be dead in six months. So we pulled his work and put him on the train, and that was the start of Russell in rehab. When he came into rehab, he went through almost the entire hotel catalogue of the small town where we were. He would last about four days before he would either have slept with a receptionist or broken one of the basic hotel rules. He tried to climb over the security gate of my house and was attacked by the landlord with a poker. But in the process, actually, he wanted to get well. His first day clean was on the 13th of December, 12 years ago now. After the period of Russell getting clean, he then wanted to work, rampantly work. OK, so to start this first ever One Lesson Square, we've got a fantastic act on Ponderland tonight. I'm pondering childhood. This is Big Brother's Big Mouth. I was rebuilding myself having been a drug addict. I met Russell as he was coming out of rehab. He thought fame, money and sex would give him the Nevada that he was looking for in life. He was at 100 mile an hour to try and reach the top. The first time he got invited to some sort of industry do, and we had to walk up the red carpet, the photographers were like, who's that? Oh, he's no one. And I remember that pissed him off. He stood there in a grimy little pair of underpants in his house, which had rats under the floor. He was like, I'm the best actor in the world. I'm the best comedian in the world. I want to be really famous. And I just thought, he's honestly mental. The mad thing is, it came true. Ladies and gentlemen, Russell Brand. We did that thing, they say, where you're recognisable in silhouette, like Amy Winehouse. You could go as Russell Brand to a fancy dress. Blimey, crikey! Nice to dress like the old days. Hey! It's almost like he enforced his madness on the world because he's got such drive. It's like a delusion that he made come real. Online, on digital, BBC Radio 2, Russell Brand. The radio show is where the genius was, but him and, him and Matt, and they wrote me into it for best part of a year. <laughs> Some of the best times ever. It was a shame when he fucked it all up for us. You're listening to Russell Brand on BBC Radio 2 with Jonathan Ross. In a minute, we're going to be talking to Andrew Sachs, Manuel actor. What Andrew doesn't know is I've slept with his granddaughter. Can I just point something out? Mm -hmm. Most of us assume you've slept with our grandchildren. Don't embarrass me oh. when we're talking to Andrew Sachs by mentioning the granddaughter. I'll blurt something out. <laughs> Don't. <laughs> Not on the answer page. Sorry, I can't answer at the moment, but Thank please you. call again or leave a message. Speak after the tone. Thank you. Uh, oh, hello, Andrew Sachs. This is Russell Brand. I'm a great appreciator of your work. Now, when you were he doing... He fucked a granddaughter! <laughs> <laughs> 
Code Red! Code Red! I'm sorry, Mr. Fawlty, I'm sorry! The BBC was forced into a humiliating apology today on behalf of its biggest earning star, Jonathan Ross, and the comedian Russell Brand. Lots of people have been very offended by this material. The number of complaints has now passed 27,000. It just happened to be a slow news week. There wasn't a war going on. It caught fire, and for about three or four weeks, it was um, Saxgate, yeah. They were installing gates at the Ross household today, but the controversy could not be contained. Meanwhile, Radio 2 presenters were this morning without their boss. She resigned yesterday. It was this great, noxious, bilious cloud of ephemeral nonsense. I mean, it was so enormous. And I was just with my cat, watching it on the television. It's like, this is insane that this has happened. Oh, but really, like, it was nothing. Now, as part of that not-reality, people lost their jobs. Like, I feel, oh, that's bad. The Beeb's biggest single fine of £150,000. I mean, you were at the centre of the fucking universe, though. I liked it there. <laughs> that is where I belong, I decided that day. Imagine, if you will, how my ego responded when this happened. Ridiculous though it may seem, I'm not famous in America. <laughs> and people from our country often say to me, oh, what's it like not being famous in America? I bet you love it, do ya, do ya, do ya? I fucking hate it. <laughs> I didn't know very much about him. First time I ever saw him was when he hosted the MTV Awards, and I did not get it. I was watching at home going, what the hell is that guy? First of all, his hair is absurd. Second of all, his clothes are ridiculous. And what the hell is he talking about? Now, he did a great joke about George Bush that made me go, I love him. Listen to that joke, right? Some people, I think they're called racists, say America is not ready for a black president. But I know America to be a forward-thinking country, right? Because otherwise, you know, would you have let that retarded cowboy fella be president for eight years? He died in that room. And I never thought of him until about a year or so later, I happened to catch him in a stand-up show talking about the MTV Awards, and that was it. From that moment on, I was his. The week of the MTV VMA Awards, I was the fifth most Googled thing in the world. Look at that, fifth most Googled thing, Russell Brand. Thank you, thank you for the encouragement. A lot of that Googling was done by me, but not all of it. I don't think it stops. When you become famous, there's someone more famous than you. You, you want more, you become obsessed with yourself. It's sociopathic by its nature. And look at this, number seven, VMA host. That's me as well. And look over here, number 37, Russell Brown. <laughs> I'm gonna take that as well. I met but Russell when one of my clients, Adam Sandler, was being interviewed on one of Russell's early MTV shows. In the interview, Russell basically didn't let him say a word. And I thought, God, this guy's funny, but I'm sure Adam will be upset because he didn't really get a chance to talk or be funny. And Adam came off and I said, 
Man, that guy didn't let you talk at all. And he goes, who cares? He was amazing. It was easy for me. This must be the apotheosis <laughs> of your career path. I actually am very psyched to be here. And I, I watched your show. I thought you were funny as hell, and you, and you are. And I'm oh, glad thank you. So well, right? Oh, thank you. That's Russell. He can just own you so quickly because he's so engaging and charismatic. That's how our relationship started. Adam Sandler putting in the movie Bedtime Stories. From that, Judd Apatow putting in the Forgetting Sarah Marshall. And we're off to the races. He became a very hot commodity in Hollywood. Forgetting Sarah Marshall led to getting rid of the Greek and being a pretty aggressive rise, even by Hollywood standards. Look at this tiny, simple beauty of this tiny little ant and that lovely. See, we're at one with yeah. made a first look deal with him at Warner Brothers. He had offices on the Warner Brothers lot. This is a pretend world, Warner Brothers. Nothing's real. Right, let's get some speed up. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, that is genuine fear. What the fuck is that sound? Oh, no. There's been a crash. He was living the dream. I remember when we went to Hollywood for the first time. It literally felt like that entourage program. It felt very exciting to the rest of us, but it's great. What can I do to get better known? Personal development was maybe not something he was interested in. There was an edginess to it all, actually. Do you have to talk to us? It's like a couple of arse. I'm starting to get excited. Maybe we should go somewhere else, Gary. Maybe we should. Good somewhere when we lived in a house together, you feel like you're living with, like, the King of Siam, and you're not allowed to look him in the eyes, and it was a bit awkward. He became dominated by fame and the pursuit of it rather than the work. It was on a scale that wasn't normal, but it wasn't healthy. I think celebrity, isolation from real people, and he's got, like, weird people hanging around him, like gurus and acupuncturists, and it's always like, oh, I've got to go in a minute because I've got to go and have my chakras healed. And Russell became very involved in Kundalini Yoga, which was, you know, in theory, quiet, egalitarian, we're all the same, except people kind of celebrated him a little bit. He got to go on stage and maybe do a few things. He was like a shepherd with a flock, mostly of women, and they would all go to this yoga class. Matt wrote a letter, and at the end he goes, give my love to your yoga class, who I believe you are dating. <laughs> but with my tendency for extremism, I first became teacher's pet, and then, in a macabre switcheroo, made the teacher into my pet. <laughs> yoga coup. I'm in charge of this yoga now. <laughs> That's like the opposite of yoga. Russell's first few years of recovery were not really the most stable. He had substituted sex for drugs, and he had been giving himself the illusion of kind of happiness through acting out sexually. Hello. Are you a sex addict? Is that right? I don't know if it's right, but it's fun. How many women would you estimate you have bedded? I don't like to put a number on it because it makes me look like a sexist, chauvinist pig. 999,999 girls. You smell good. What are you wearing? That's just my own sperm. <laughs> I know that. through them extras. When I watch that film now, it's like, where's Wally? That one, that one, that one, that one.
do is make a point of coming out to sign autographs, and yeah, those girls would line up. I've been in crowded clubs with him when he walks across, and literally, I saw women pointing to the toilet, saying, I will meet you in there now for some kind of degrading exchange of fluids. This isn't a boy's toilet. It's OK, I love boys. If you come in here, I'm going to make you pregnant. Promise. Do you need help peeing? Yeah, all right, come on in. But you've got to be really gentle. You don't need to hold that hard. I don't know. I'm not, I don't have the penis. I don't know what it was supposed Gently. to be. Gently. Russell was aware that he had a problem with sex, but at the same time, he also thought that he was massively successful. I think he was deluding himself that that was actually making him happy for several years. It's ridiculous. Good exercise. Just fit as a fiddle. But you can't keep doing that stuff forever and ever. It's very exhausting, and I was really up for meeting somebody. Right then, new bit of life. With me! Have you been married before? I've never been able to become married before. Katy Perry. That's her. Right there. What have you mentioned in terms of music, one way, and comedy the other? I've been playing like her, Tom Waits, and Morrissey, and Leonard Cohen. Hopefully my record will be good now because of it. Thank you. I like to think I'm an influence, because my comedy now is all about sort of domesticity and looking after cats and burglar <laughs> alarms and all cleaning your teeth together. There's a burglar alarm. It talks. Honestly, I ain't exaggerating. Door. Open, window open, back door open. Economic disparity in Los Angeles, <laughs> creating climate of fear. Underclass growing, close window, close window. <laughs> Do you mind if I turn that off? I like it. Do you like that? Yeah. It's fucking awful. <laughs> Argument occurring. Argument occurring. He calls me at once and says, what happens when she wants to watch one film and I want to watch another. He's going, it's doing me head in. And I was like, is that it? Let her fucking watch the film. Oh, right, just let her watch it. Fucking let her watch it, don't watch it. Have you not got two television sets? All the money you've got? At that point, I thought this ain't gonna go much further than this, you know. Hey, Russell, any additions to the family coming up? You find Marin life boring or exciting or what? They both loved each other. Unfortunately, she's exploded, right? I mean, not just casually, you know, having a hit or two, but exploding in a way that, I don't know, a couple people in the history of the music business have. She wound up going on tour for a year, and he was flying all over the world, too. Hello. Road less traveled. Because I got famous, a charity called Comic Relief had asked me to make a contributory film. And we just go there and go, hey, look, this is what's happening in Africa. Send us some money, call the number on the bottom of your screen now. I think, oh, yeah, it's going to make me look good. It's a sort of a prestigious thing to do. But they took me to Kibera in Kenya, to this waste dump, miles and miles of rubbish, as far as the eye can see. Children forage there for recyclable goods to sell. That was one of those things that I couldn't comprehend. Little bottle tops and stuff. Autumn here, there's loads of syringes lying around. But the medical waste is dumped here. Ah, oh, she's bleeding. Mm. Are you all right, darling? 
going to Africa, that hit me really like, oh, my fucking God, I'm living, like, this life. And, like, there's, like, there was children foraging among these pigs, these wild pigs that lived on the dump, cattle chewing through sort of cellophane with mad rolling eyes. <laughs> A woman picking up melon and eating it out of, like, rubbish. It was hell. This is hell. We're creating it. We're all participants in that. The same system that gives me loads of money and sticks me in a mansion and puts me on the TV does that. It's the same thing. As a white millionaire coming here, I, mean, I feel like it's almost vulgar. On some level, you sort of cut yourself off from the reality of it, because otherwise, how could any of us live with it? How could any of us, how could I go home? After it, there was a point where I was like at some fashion show with Katie, and it's like the most ludicrous artifice and pageantry of the fashion world. I couldn't get my head around that on one planet, you could have that fashion show happening in Paris and that poverty happening. The distinction is imaginary. What the fucking hell am I doing fulfilling these selfish objectives? It doesn't actually make any fucking difference. What you need to do is change the entire culture. But, like, you know, what I realised is it's been fucking hard. That's like, probably going to mean giving up a lot, everything, probably. So, do you want to do that? <laughs> what if human beings arrange their lives around their spirit? What if everyone learned from the extreme journey of modern fame and modern power and success that you had? Can there not be an ideology that affects all humanity, like through the connection through meditation well, and prayer and spirituality? No, no. Why? No, no. Because um, the strong don't give the power to the weak. Because the weak wants to be the strong. Yeah, and then once you get there, you become corrupted by it as well. How selfish are you? How long do you think you're going to have this ring? It's going to go, isn't it? Yeah. All these things are going to go. How long do you think you're going to have these pretty shoes? These are such great shoes. Yeah, I love them. <laughs> I, I had those before. <laughs> I love those shoes. They're going to go, Mike. Yeah, I love those shoes. It's all over for the shoes, the rings, the hair, everything. It's all going to fall apart. I'm trying to find something I can cling to. David, I'm becoming more famous and more successful and getting more money and more opportunity, but I'm recognising there is a hollowness to it. These things ultimately have no value. They got value, but it doesn't have the lasting, satisfying value. Because we live under a cloud of stress, and it's a black cloud, and it's, and it's oily. You heard of these stress-related illnesses. They make us do strange things that we're sorry about later. <laughs> See what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And the technique of transcendental meditation is an infinite ocean of peace. If I propagate the idea of the transcendent, then people's anxiety will be alleviated. Yeah. People will feel like this, like, oh, I want to be famous, I want money, I want to watch pornography. They'll, they'll relax. Ego is not a bad thing. When you're enlightened, they say your ego is cosmic ego, cosmic, and this whole thing, infinite love is here. Imagine that growing. You're famous, but you just want to help people, you know, with your fame or whatever you want. You know, it's like it goes like that. I want that. Yeah, there you go. You'll get that. Right, here's my plan, Oliver. I would like to motivate myself in a position where I'm the most uh, noticeable person on the planet that I become that. So that's where most of the attention will be going is on me. And once I'm in that position, I'll give up wealth, I'll give up my career, I'll give up everything, and devote my entire life to purity of consciousness, compassion, love, duty, revolution, and change. You're up against systems. Systems are very tough to beat. 
You have bankers, you have insurers, you have money. I just think that the existence of them systems means that they can be defeated. I think that they're only there because of the constant threat of their opposite. If you could show that nothing means anything to you except love, if you're prepared to live for it and prepared to die for it, that could make an impact. Okay. So what's the ideology, then? Well, that's where I get into a bit of trouble. Ready to rehearse? Yeah, until now. Yeah, really tired. Because the concentration. We were all saying to him, Russ, you've made it. They just hated it. Connor said, as an actor, you're not doing anything most of the time. You just sat doing fuck all. Did you see any more future films with his character? Uh, yeah, why not? But I think that someone else should play him. You seem like a nice young man. You play the part. This stuff in Africa, it hit me really, really hard. And then what's sort of the secondary wave of realisation is that you get on with your life. Since then, I've been a more fucking bullshit fashion shows. I've been a more premiered. Russell, what's wrong? I think anyone who's experienced fame knows, of course, there's a toll you pay when you become famous. And that is the intrusion into your personal life. And then the self-loathing you feel when realising, if you were to be honest, that you've brought it upon yourself and you're reluctant to step away from it. And you can step away from it. You could instantly step away from it, but you don't. I'm associated with the very thing that I detest. Vapid, vacuous, plastic, constructed, mindless celebrity. That's the sea we're swimming in. Ugh, Ian, was he married to Katy Perry? Wow, Russell's pushing everybody here. Whoa! Come on, Russell. What's up, Russell? Maybe the downside to fame is... There isn't one. It's cool. I like it. It's got me some great tables in restaurants. Never paid for a ticket for anything for 20 fucking years. Free drugs. Beautiful wife. Great kids. It's definitely good I'm with someone I love, and it's also good, I suppose, that that person is a pop star. But I think it's not a resolution to anything spiritual. No, that's the key thing to it. It's not, it's not a full stop. This is my suspicion, that at some point, to be happy, I'm going to have to walk away from all of it. Yeah. I've bought that thing. That's interesting. That says a lot. Does it? Yeah. What's it saying? You're a man of no taste. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is a lovely house. You, you, you really... No, I'm just saying you really shouldn't whinge. You want the confirmation that actually life is easier if you're just kind of living in a sort of two-up, two-down somewhere, but you're sort of blissfully happy with your wife and kids. But that ain't what I want. Okay. What I want is a spiritual revolution and a complete global change of thinking, a whole new ideology and a new utopian existence mm. that is free from uh, the tyranny of the material and the tyranny of choice, wherever you happen to land but it's on that That's a bit ladder. rich coming from a man who's got a rifle lamp. <laughs> I won't have the rifle lamp in yeah. the utopia. I'll give that right, back. Okay. I'll flog that for a real rifle. Sure, yeah, yeah. <laughs> for the revolution. What you basically want, then, is to be a guru of sorts. Yes. Now we're getting closer. OK, like a David Koresh. Much more okay. like David right. Koresh than I currently am. Thank you all for being I went to Occupy when I was making Arthur. Everyone, oh my God, yeah, this has got energy in it. I like it. All those people are part of a movement of spirituality, economics, and politics. This is the kitchen. Over behind there is the tent community. Where are people going to the toilet? McDonald's. <laughs> Use their facilities. I'm loving it. What do you see? I mean, what would be your role? To make this message interesting to listen to. People believe change is possible, then it's possible. If you believe it, then it's true. Would you bring your wife to this? Do you think she would have a... Uh, kind of protective of her, you know, to be honest. And I think that she's 26 and she's in it, you know. But do you find that is a conflict with what you want spiritually and what, you know, you or we do professionally? I don't want to give all this up. 
but I do get worried like for instance when we watched that Buddha documentary and Buddha had a baby and a wife and the story goes that he left them because he was afraid that he'd get too attached. I mean, I think you're a genius. You make me look good and that's why we're together and I picked you. But you don't have to like give all of it away to prove a point. Well done. Thank you. Thank you for letting us do an interview with you, darling. This is stupid! <laughs> Much as I, because I control the pussy. <laughs> Give us a cuddle, that's really, really brilliant. No, no, Katie. <laughs> On Friday, after 14 months of marriage, Brand filed for divorce, citing irreconcilable differences. It was Brand who announced the divorce last week. He texted me saying he was divorcing me. Work commitments and especially her hectic schedule contributed to the failure of their marriage. Now, that, that's unconfirmed, but that is one reason for the split. He could have gotten 20 million bucks from her, and he walked away. Fame can be very corrupting and corrosive phenomena in people's lives. I think she probably is the right thing for her to pursue what she's pursuing. I mean, she's like a massive, famous pop star. I think that probably takes a lot of energy and focus and will. I think we were going in different directions, in possibly opposite directions. Russell really is a seeker. He wants to find deeper and deeper inner wealth and knowledge to share through whatever he does. We meditate together. He especially likes to chant this Hare Krishna mantra. And he is experiencing the shallowness in selfish attachment to wealth and power and fame. Look at what we're being fed. It's so synthetic and ridiculous. We're eating bad food, we're listening to bad ideas all the time. And it's the ugly side of us that is constantly stimulated and aroused. So of course it's difficult for us to go, oh my God, I've got to break away from it. If, however, you have a culture that makes you focus on the divine aspect of your nature, there is a chance for common unity, community between people. Then I remember that I'm a stand-up comedian. I thought, if I could go on stage and talk about anything at all, and I thought, hold on a minute, I can go on stage and talk about anything at all. All I want to do is bring about a global revolution of consciousness. That is something that's worth stepping outside of vanity for. <laughs> this is the contrivance of a forthcoming stand-up comedy tour about the lives of Che Guevara, Malcolm X, Jesus and Gandhi. Humanising, but sort of, why are these people icons? Hmm. And why is it? What's the answer? Them figures, for me, anti, totally anti-establishment, totally willing... That the key ingredient, when you think about it, is willing to die. You don't get the idea that if someone had gone to Malcolm X, look, come on, we'll put you up in a never such a nice house, we'll give you your own TV chat show, he'd go, oh, all right. Or Gandhi, like, like, or Che Guevara, there's nothing you can offer them, there's nothing. Because they're willing to yield all else, to, like, take... I like that. You have a craft, and your life is about perfecting that craft. Or devoting that craft to a higher cause. You know what, though? Yeah. You're already really funny. And these people, Jesus wasn't that funny. He might have been. I doubt it. Well, what are the people stacking around for? 
What do you mean? What, what well, all those people following him, listening to him talking on a mound. Yeah. Maybe he was funny. Maybe it got less funny as he was indoctrinated. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> it got less funny. Yeah, I'm saying this. I think maybe you're... Oh, there he what goes. Are we doing? <laughs> what is this? Don't you see how this is like just the, the, the drawing of a chart with Gandhi on it? This is the funny thing about you. No, actually, where I disagree with you is it, okay. it ain't enough. It's not enough to just become like a comedian and potter through life, and then you was a comedian and then you died. Mm. Well, not when the possibility and the potential is that you could do something much better. Right. That possibility exists. He's gone. This is shit fame. I want proper fame, you know. And that's why he's obsessed with these people who transcend celebrity and become representative of much more than that. You yeah. think he's Gandhi because you only ever see photos of him going around in a towel? Much like I do. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but he was like a person with an ego and not... I, I would argue yeah. that narcissism and egotism yeah. are a vital component for anyone who's going to change the world. I've not reached iconic status and I still want it. I think I wonder if there's some negotiation where I can do it and not be compromised, not be a servant of keeping people dumb and hopeless and helpless and spellbound and zooped up on Xbox stupidity. It was challenging. It was the hardest show we've ever put together. He was sort of delivering information to an audience who'd come for a comedy show. And sometimes, it, you know, you go periods like 10 minutes with, you know, this has got a bit like a, a lecture. They've changed the star on his beret for the Mercedes-Benz logo. Now, I don't know much about Che Guevara, but I'm pretty sure he was anti-capitalist in his general <laughs> outlook. So it was hard to get it funny, but he stuck at it. I mean, that was when you knew his commitment level had changed, because he didn't give up on it. He stuck to it, and he was determined to make it work. From Austin, then. The audiences that are coming, they got causes. Like before, people would just bring t shirts to be signed or people would just bring posters to be signed. Nowadays, they're bringing books to give to Russell. Like that never ever occurred before. How come no one's having us in panties anymore? You know what I mean? <laughs> Things have changed. In order to talk about politics in this age, you do have to make it fun and he has just made an art form out of it. He has packaged art, politics, and dirty jokes. What kind of man am I? What kind of life have I lived? What are my achievements? Yes, sure, I am four times the shagger of the year. <laughs> Come on, take a bite of the old leather bagel. <laughs> to any woman kind enough to sleep with me tonight, you will always be the first coming. And I will always be the second coming. And that is why I'm a little bit like Jesus. Messiah complex, do you have one? No, it's oh. a mental illness. Right, and you don't have that either? 
I hope that I'm here as a fully qualified <laughs> professional gentleman. None of us are. I think I'm just my, this is my first um, brand experience. Brand, mm -hmm. yeah. I think it's not listening to him, it's just sort of taking it all in. You are talking about me as if I'm, I'm not here and as if I'm an extraterrestrial. <laughs> We're just sort of admiring the whole, you know, it's the whole thing, isn't well, it? Well, thank you for it's your like casual objectification. It's an experience. <laughs> I'm glad it's that experience. it is positive for it's you. It's very positive, yeah. absolutely. Are there any other questions? <laughs> nervous. You've become nervous. Why are you nervous? Really? No, I'm You're a powerful woman, you've oh, got a lovely yes. job. What seems to be the trouble, love? No, I'm good. I'm, well, now we're going to do a bit of therapy. I'm Would good. you do therapy with Willie Brandt? Because that's where he's heading. Okay. I'm all right. Who is Willie? Nobody goes into show business thinking, I want to become insignificant fluff. And I think that when Russell walked into Morning Joe, all they had on their card was British comedian doing a comedy tour about God. And they didn't do the homework. And he just cut right through it. It was brilliant to watch. Is this what you all do for a living? Yes. Okay, but I'm, I'm here to... Okay, well, let me help you. I'm here to promote a tour called Messiah Complex. It's here okay. for the people of America. I want the people of America to come and see me do stand-up. Go to russellbrand.tv where you can uh, purchase tickets to see me. These people, I'm sure, are typically very, very good at their job. You're conveying news to the people of America. Yes. People of America, you're, we're going to be okay. Everything's all right. These are your trusted anchors. Give us your papers. I'll shuffle them for you. Look Give serious. us that. That's good. Pen. You need a pen. Okay, uh, coming up later. Thank you Absolutely very much, Kat. Okay, we're going to be uh, talking about the, uh, the talk, uh, situation with Edward Snowden. This whistleblower, is it good what he's done for America? Or, or are our secrets being jeopardized by his intentions? We're going to be talking about that. Here with me are Brian and Kat. Brian, nice time. What do you think about uh, Edward Snowden? <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with you. I understand everything he's saying. No, because you're looking at him. When you don't no. see him and you don't see the lips, I understand the whole thing. Stop he's saying good. he. I'm Just present. <laughs> Russell. Russell, what's wrong you're with your manners? Russell. You're good. Being polite. I'm coming in tomorrow with a big necklace and I'm opening it. Look up. beyond no, the superficial. No. That's the problem with current affairs. What am I saying? What am I talking about? Don't think about what I'm wearing. These things are redundant. I'm superficial. Okay. Don't Russell. be distracted. What do you think that gesture means, the way you're touching that bowl? What does that indicate? <laughs> what is that? What's the subtext of that? I think we got to go to break. You need to lose that ring, Mika, because it don't mean nothing to you. Oh. <laughs> She's grasping I, for the shaft. She's a shaft grasper. <laughs> the, the, the <laughs> Russell Messiah Brand. complex. Thank you. The tour Messiah complex. Don't is, be nervous. Starts in August in Abu Dhabi, right? You're ovulating. Oh, wait, I'm ovulating. Oh my God. Okay, we're ready. My work is done here. <laughs> Comedy is dangerous. That's why I like comedy. It's subversive and explosive verbal gelignite. All I could think of was shit, piss, fuck, cunt, cock, suck a motherfucker and tits. You have to get very near to transgression to do it well. Look at how much comedy there is around taboo. All right, give me the money, motherfucker. Doing my best black shit, you know. Racism, homophobia, being shocking and cruel. Look around in our society and you try to find voices that you can trust. And, you know, you can't trust the religious leaders, you can't trust the business leaders, you can't trust the political leaders. Gotta have an enemy, though, because we're so miserable. We gotta keep blaming something, right? Let's blame some more stuff. Drugs, good. Rock and roll. So, in a way, comedians have that opportunity to speak the truth that everybody else in society can't really mouth. 
He was getting some pretentious award or other. The event was sponsored by Boss. And I thought, oh, my God, that's amazing. Hugo Boss made the uniforms for the Nazis. This is a gift. Thanks. I knew then. I will say that then. Any of you uh, that know a little bit about history and fashion will know that Hugo Boss made the uniforms for the Nazis. Like, and the Nazis did have flaws, but, you know, they did look fucking fantastic. Let's face it. While they were killing people on the basis of their religion and sexuality. The role of the comedian adheres to the trickster archetype. The trickster is beyond morality. It's not about whether it's good or bad. I like the language around it. Sense of humour. Where is the humour? Where is the humour? Where is the humour? Make people laugh. Not invite them to laugh. Make them laugh. We had a lot of clients in the 30s and 40s. I can't remember all of them. Did you make a lot of elasticated crotches, Hugo? Did it ring any bells? Hey, listen. Now, I'm seriously grateful to be part of the publishing industry, the fashion industry. Fight the power. Well, there was fucking uproar. Uproar. <laughs> I'm happy. Don't take life too seriously. Soon we'll all be in the grave. Just gotta find something to matter, cause you're gonna die anyway. I wanna be inspired, I wanna do something that I believe in, something that I understand. What issue can I speak about with authority? I found one, it's drugs. I know a lot about drugs, I've done a lot of research. <laughs> research, I took a lot of drugs, a drug addict. I'm doing research here in my lab, that's a phone box, get off me. <laughs> Russell Brand says this is a disorder. We should treat drug addiction like a disease. Do you agree? No, it's a crime, which people do voluntarily and they do it for pleasure. I understand your frustration, mate, but I really think that the techniques and methods that you're talking about are antiquated and belong in another era. Criminalisation and imprisonment isn't working. That kind of foghorn madness from bygone times... Why is a comedian being given a programme on the BBC to push a policy about drugs? Why is our debate on drugs so debased that this, this is the kind of thing we are reduced to? When you hear the politicians speak, it's highly unlikely they will talk about drug addiction. Addiction is not a vote winner. When you've got somebody like Russell, who's actually taking this out into the media, He's making people think. He's a nutcase, you know, there is no doubt about it. But for somebody to say he doesn't understand the subject because he's a comedian is just complete nonsense. Because he wasn't just an addict, he went away and did his homework, getting to understand the numbers that are on methadone, the opposition to abstinence. His passion to help addicts is unbelievable, really. Oh, what, so people are using here? Absolutely, yeah. Oh, so man, mind yourself. Shit. Yeah. The main thing is you've got to get rid of the law, because I think as long as it's illegal, the people doing it are criminals, and criminals you can treat like <laughs> shit. Drug addicts do not give a fuck about the legal status of the drugs they are taking. <laughs> I never see this go down. Hey, you! Hey, yes, you! You realise that's illegal, don't you? What? You're joking! <laughs> I've been doing this every day. I'm probably addicted now. <laughs> Hello. Did you enjoy it? I could hear you laughing. What does Sybil look like? I don't know. 
but I'm interested. <laughs> Girls, let's get a picture with it. That girl there and wanted to fuck that bird. Now, I couldn't be left with that woman for any length of time. I suppose what I want to be is interacting with people on a higher level of their being. If I fuck that girl, I'm no different to any bloke on that ranch. How do you all come here in a big stretch limo? Yes. <laughs> come with us. I'm too scared. <laughs> you don't have to. I'm not scared of you, I'm scared of me. <laughs> you can't think your way into acting differently, but you can act your way into thinking differently. So I think the fact is, is I meditated for two hours today. Whoever you are, if you do that consistently, your brain can't stay the same. Nothing compares to things that are immediate. Nothing does. Nothing compares to eating a bar of chocolate, having a wank, taking some smack. I like taking drugs. If I could take drugs now, right now, I would. When I see tinfoil anywhere, I'd like to take drugs. When I see homeless people off their head on drugs, I'd like to take drugs. What I've got is a little checklist in my head. Have you meditated? Have you helped somebody else? Have you spoke to someone with more time than you? Clean. Have you done yoga? Because a person that does those things will not relapse. Are you that person? Yes, good, you won't relapse. easy to malign and attack drug addicts. It's a code for these people are poor people, these people don't matter, they're dirty, get them. I'm giving a press conference at the UN because in two years' time, the UN are debating whether or not to end the war on drugs. About 100 journalists in <laughs> This is good, is it? They never turn up like this. This room has never been so full. What is it about you? Nobody at all is helped by drugs being made illegal. There's literally no reason to proceed with this experiment of prohibition, which has lasted for a century. It has done nothing but bring death, suffering, crime. All these wars on things that aren't real have got to stop wars on terror, wars on drugs. How can we have a war on an inanimate object? If any of you got any questions, I look forward to chatting to you all. A colleague of yours, Eddie Izzard, has announced that he's going to be running in the London mayoral race. Do you have any political ambitions of your own? Politics and ambition in the same sentence, <laughs> given that it appears to be about the maintenance of a status quo rather than any kind of advancement for our species. But if you ask me, am I interested in changing consciousness, the answer is yes, I am. That was a politician answer. <laughs> <laughs> here at the United Nations, do you think people are really going to listen to the more radical things you have to say? It doesn't matter what happens here, mate. I'm talking to the people of the world. Those are the people that matter. This is meaningless. This is going to evaporate very soon. Sign uh, petitions. It was really good. Mayor, you say? I thought it was brilliant. Thanks, mate. Thanks. I'm glad we keep doing things like coming to the UN and giving speeches. He just called me to say, please forgive me for being the person I was when I was with you. I'm not that person anymore. I still thought that he was very afraid of dying. 
he said i don't want to die out of the blue you in a religion that's one thing that really surprises me that you believe in god i do how can you i think that whatever it is that causes the distinction between nothing and something there is a, a creative impetus uh, for me what well, look, my belief in god is to this is, is, this is it isn't it mike within Sorry? this is where we come off no, this one. oh isn't it and over and over Oh, no, no, it's the SO one, yeah, you're right, mate. Sorry. Sorry, go on. Come Don't on. worry, it's Sorry. conceptually challenging. <laughs> no, go on, I'm, I'm, I didn't want to get lost, because that isn't conceptually, that's factual and what we want to do. Um, so, go on, tell me, tell, tell me what you're saying. Well... Yeah. Well, hmm. Go on, don't salt now. just bit his tongue, didn't he? It was just I was concerned because we were getting late and I thought we might miss the purpose of the day, well, for me the purpose of the day, which was to go and look at the stone. The most devastating thing that's happened to me is losing my mother. I cut people out of my life if I think that things aren't functioning. And I think, what am I making this effort for? I have a capacity for ruthlessness. It's hard not to go that route. I've been diagnosed again with cancer, and he said to me that he felt he'd let me down. When, when he was 16, but really, at 16, he was a baby. So um, this time, he was so sweet, and he said to me that he would be here, and he has been. And I think that although it was very, very difficult for Russell and I to go through my illnesses and his addictions, it's given Russell and I the most amazing bond as a mother and son. Did you? Yeah, she told me all that. Yeah. Yvonne yeah. looked after me when I banged my head, I cut my head open, looked then went to the hospital, you looked after me, didn't you? I looked after him when he was a little boy. <laughs> He was a sweet little boy, and I love his mum. Yeah, she's a good woman. Yeah. The childhood I had seemed difficult at the time, but Yvonne, she loved me, the people were happy. That's the kind of people that were there. God, that was English. This is what I am. I'm from here. I wasn't born in Famestonia, in Fameland, in the village of Fameville. I'm from a place called Grays in Essex. It turns out that where I am from is a perfect example of the problems that the world is facing. But when I went back, I found that a place that was already drab had deteriorated. The high street was now strewn with 
pound shops, betting shops, booze shops. Something had been taken from them and I could feel its absence. So when I'm looking to understand what does it mean in equality, look at the town where I'm from, it's gone all broken. It's actually thinking about, I can't believe how near my house is to the school. It's take back in Asia, I don't know what's wrong with me, I was lazy. I think I could run there in about two minutes. God, I remember being in that stairwell the first time we touched the girl's vagina, in that stairwell. And now there's children up against the glass and pressing their faces and the noise of glass being banged up, and still simultaneously the experience of the first, you know, like that's, you know. If there was anything you could change about the school when you were here, what would it be? That I would have been in charge of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird coming back here today, because I say when they say, oh, don't go out there because all the kids will go crazy, I just think, I don't care if all the fucking kids go crazy. <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. That sounds to me like the best thing that could happen. You know what I feel like I'm supposed to do? I'm meant to go, oh, I came to this school, and if I can do it, you can do it. Uh, that ain't my message. My message is fame and power and money is bullshit. If you want to change anything in the world, you should do it by banding together and thinking about what's really, really important and recognising that none of them things actually work to make you happy, fame, money, power, all that stuff. Although I like it that kids get excited when I come here in the same school playground where I felt ostracised and alienated. To feel adored is a buzz for me, but what does it matter, really? Like, when I didn't have anything, you know, I thought, oh, no, I can't get girls, I don't have money, I've got nothing. I didn't think that was real. I felt very strongly compelled to override that reality. I thought, this has got to go. And now that there is all of those things, I feel like, ah, this isn't right either, is it? <laughs> so this is going to have to go. This is a harder one to let go of, because sometimes it looks good. And, like, sometimes it looks good, it feels good sometimes. When he came back to London, he could go out, he could get on his bike, and he just looked like a free man. I do feel very connected here, connected to where I'm living, connected to the people, connected to purpose. Is he getting offers now as a result of his recent activities? Are people constantly reaching out to try to put him in movies? No. Mm -mm. No, I don't think anyone thinks he's around anymore. He left and he owns a home here that I don't think he's ever been in. I know he's never been in it. Maybe I'll squat in it since he's not around anyway. History creates great men. Great men don't create history. Either something's going to happen or it isn't. There's some wave, and that wave will just cough up a relevant person. I don't know what will happen. If there's a requirement, the requirement will be met. <laughs> Russell Brand, comedian, actor, and now it seems political theorist. He wants a revolution, he says. Is it true you don't even vote? Yeah, no, I don't vote. 
Well, how do you have any authority to talk about politics then? Well, I don't uh, get my authority from this pre-existing paradigm which is quite narrow and only serves a few people. You don't believe in democracy. No, you want a revolution, don't you? The planet is being destroyed. We are creating an underclass. We are exploiting poor people all over the world. And the genuine legitimate problems of the people are not being addressed by our political class. All of those things may be true. They are true. But you took... I wouldn't argue with you about many of them. Well, how come I feel so cross with you? It can't just be because of that beard. It's gorgeous. Grow it longer. You Tangle it into your armpit hair. You are a very trivial man. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I am trivial? Yes. I, to be perfectly honest, couldn't quite understand why we were doing the interview. What's the scheme? You talk vaguely about revolution. What is it? I think the very concept of profit should be hugely reduced. David Cameron says profit isn't a dirty word. I say profit is a filthy word because wherever there is profit, there is also deficit. Do you see any hope? Remember that? Yeah, totally. There's going to be a revolution. It's totally going to happen. I think not, not only I, I ain't got a flicker of doubt. This is the end. This is time to wake up. Why is that naive? Why is that not my right? Because I'm an actor. I mean, I, I've taken the right. I don't need the right from you. I don't need the right from anybody. I'm taking it. A video featuring comedian Russell Brand goes viral. Brand calls for a revolution against the current political system. Russell Brand unhinged. Now, in an interview with Britain's Newsnight, the 38-year-old actor and comedian called for a socialist revolution and massive redistribution of wealth. Him not voting is not a sign that he doesn't care. It's actually a political statement that he's exactly. making. He's Excess talking about profit he said in general. Profit period is a filthy yeah. word. Well, that's okay, crazy. So, wait a minute. But, but because that's was, hypocrisy. Because that guy's rich. I think he should give all of his money away. If yeah. he feels that strongly, give it all away to charity. You know, practice what Come you preach. Come to the U.S. and pay taxes. We'll take his money. Oh, Back in the palace, Andy. Well, you're proposing to overthrow the monarchy. No? I am proposing that. Yeah, that's one of my propositions. You can't have a monarchy, Nick. I bet you like it, don't you? Yeah. No, it's got to go. Oh, I think it's Why? nice. Because it's propping up a hierarchical structure. And if you have privileged people at the top of it, people, it emanates down and people think it's okay to have inequality. And it's not. So it's just got to be butchered. I would hope he's talking in metaphors. Surely you can't believe there's actually going to be a, revolu like a revolution. What, people are just going to, like, listen to a skinny comedian and think that everything that they've ever known is wrong? Fucking not if I've got anything to do with it, let me tell you that. <laughs> Unless, of course, he makes me the Duke of Manchester. Then I could probably go with it. Right, let's see you, mate. Have a good trip, yeah? Thanks, man. Russell Brand cancelled his Middle Eastern dates on the tour after promoters said they couldn't guarantee his safety. What? They said, we will kill you if you come wow. here. I still would have gone. I was standing there and I was like, oh my god, it's Russell Brand. And they were like, no, it's not. Yeah, seriously, actually. You're so Why? Politics. He's good. All I want to do at the moment is disrupt the prevailing contemporary ideology. Disrupt it. Disrupt it. Find ways of disrupting it. Unfortunately, that comes easy to me. When I've been in these big scandals and the death threats have come tumbling in and the institutions have fallen, I feel all right. I feel like this is meant to be happening and I don't mind. When I was 32, I kept seeing the number 33 everywhere. Jesus, he died when he was 33. I'm going to die. I'm going to die at 33. And then obviously I became 33 and I didn't die. And then I still kept seeing the number 33 everywhere, everywhere. And then I decided in my mind, when I see the number 33, it means that what's happening in that moment is truthful. Part of the prayer that I do every day is talk to me in signs. 
so talk to me in serendipity, talk to me in the unknowable language. If you can't connect with that, that thing that's never going to be knowable, for which we can only ever understand or explain through signs and symbols, God, Krishna, Christ, the cosmos, can never get a handle on it because it's unknowable. It doesn't exist here in this bandwidth. When you're trying to pull down information from those places, you're going to need music or poems or folk tales or signs or jokes or laughter. You're going to need something else. But if you don't have it at all, then you're fucked. And these days we don't have it at all. We're living in a culture where people only care about, well, I can see this, I can carve it up and I can sell it or eat it or fuck it. And if you live like that, then you die like that. You're now on a path that is very different in many ways. Personally, are you comfortable with this or are you a little bit unnerved by the spiritual genie that you've opened up? Regardless of what happens, in between 30 and 50 years, I will be dead. So I'm just going to use that to try to participate in the construction of a new ideology. <laughs> It's going to analyse media, it's going to dismantle media, it's going to create a new frequency of truth. That's what we called it, the truths. I'd like some truths. It is estimated there are now 48 million Americans in low-paying jobs. Money is tied everywhere. That's not true, Bill, because uh, there's six kids and a guy that owns Walmart have as much money as the poorest 150 million Americans. I know, that's true, I can't believe it, but check it yourself. We do the truths every day, five days a week, trying to uncover the reason behind the news. The truths takes away all of the layers of bollocks to make a television programme. All you actually need is one person to hold the camera and go through the stuff. It's got a good energy to it because it's not carrying any bullshit. Truths is like the news. If the news was true, I want some truths. Let's have some truths. Do you know much of what happened in Ottawa then? Nothing. All I know is hashtag Ottawa. The government opened fire at the National War Memorial. The Parliament Hill killer has been identified as a labourer with alleged jihadist sympathies. No info yet. Yeah, but it's definitely to do with is to do with Islam, isn't it? Probably this. I mean, it would be good if it was. Is Hamas a terrorist organisation? Do I get to actually speak now? Well, I don't know. Are you going to say it's a terrorist organization? What part of this can't you get through your thick head? I think... Is I... Hamas a terrorist organization? Who in that situation was behaving like a terrorist? Today, Russell Brand, a D-list actor, better known for his failed marriage to Katy Perry. That's a mean-spirited approach. This guy's got a, a skanky look. He looks like he cooks meth and sleeps in his car. If Sean's having a panel, we're having a panel on the truce. With me, I've got Jesus, a bunch of flowers, and Gandhi. I think it's amazing that he's come from this place of basically being a joke in British popular culture to very quickly being the most significant political commentator in the UK at the moment. Don't get many of those political commentators getting working class kids to discuss democracy and politics on their Facebook walls. Bomb them, bomb them, and bomb them again. Now will you join me in hating all mankind? Here is Helena Norberg Hodge. She's dedicated her life to campaigning against globalization. Globalization is a system where big corporations have more power than you or me or any other person. Yes. I'm always doing this. I'm always going to situations where people have dedicated their life to stuff and I've only been there 10 minutes and I sort of think, no, I know how to do this better. Shut the fuck up. You know, we need to get the truth out there. We need to... What is it? The truth is that our taxes are being used to subsidise global trade. We don't care about details. I'm comedian. That's what makes me bearable. Without that, I'm intolerable. Someone turning up, change the world, do this, do that. 
if you're not every so often going, it's mad, this isn't it, then like, it, that, that's not unbearable. You go there, you have a filet yeah. fish delicious, yeah, yeah. and then secretly, Ronald slides his begloved <laughs> hand into your other pocket, perhaps touching your testicles, we don't know. If you know humour, <sighs> I'll puke. I can't, more than anything else, I hate earnestness more than injustice. It's got to be like a blistering bullet of roaring truth from the mind of God. From the yes. From the Not me, I'm just no. a bloke. I do think you think you're better than most everybody, and I think in a lot of ways you're more intelligent than most people. I do, do you think I think that, or do you think it? I think it, and I think you think it. I you think can't you go around thinking what I might think. Well, it's sort of my job right now to study you. think you. what I think. Right. Predict maybe and think about and analyze what you think a little bit. Well, you can analyze it, but your conclusions, that all takes place in there, doesn't it? In your little nut. So on some days, I think all sorts of mad, crazy, narcissistic things about myself, but that ain't the person I'm interested in building. When you're building a house, how would you, if you sort of go, right, this is the room that I'll sit and cry in. This is the room where the, where the burglars will eventually smash the window and come in. If you plan for that house, that's the house that you're gonna create. The person I want to become is free from those kind of lateral comparisons about how cool I am or how nice my haircut is. But in order to do that, you probably need to stop shopping. Yeah, I'm going to end up in a blanket, aren't I? We all know that. I don't mind, though. I'm nearly ready. I'm nearly, I'm really close. Is the show still playing? Messiah Complex, is it still... I've stopped doing that now. I'm writing a book about revolution. To a degree, it's mind camp. It's got to be a kind of this. <laughs> Not the best example, but like you know, people tell you the way things are is the only way things can be. Well, that's really convenient for them because they're the people that benefit most from it being this way. But here is an alternative way that it could be. If you want to make a nice garden, you've got to first get the land. Now I have the land. Now it's about cultivation. He sat down and wrote the entire book, a hundred thousand words between May the 18th and July 31st. That, for a professional author with no other commitments, is almost unheard of. For someone like him who's doing 100 other things, this is a feat. We've reached the point. Yeah. Fuck me. There's still more people. Hello, everyone. All right, thanks for coming. Come this way, everyone. Hello. The systems are in place to help us and to preserve us. If the systems start getting in the way, New system. We asked all those questions. Oh my God! Take that, society. I thought you were a knob for years, and you've absolutely <laughs> turned it around. <laughs> can you can you put forward the revolution? Take it easy, mate. Oh, Mum, have I even written this? No, couldn't. What are you going to write? To my bloody mum, you know I'm your son. Oh, don't put anything loose, Dad. Huh? So you are my mum. We are together four ways. Uh, You're in this book a load. Am I? Of course you are. All of the compassion is you. I love you, Mum. Like, round about, that's the place I was photographing this morning. Yeah, sure. So that could be our headquarters. What do you mean by headquarters? Headquarters of what? Well, I'm going to do a place where I can record podcasts and do shows from, run things from, premises. What I have decided to do is use the profits from the book to set up social enterprises to help people in recovery get back into work. 
And this is another building that you would like to acquire. We already own that building there, then we own that building there, and that building there. We can run our production company and trues and all of that out of this stuff. I can live in that, and the bottom floor can be the Trues Cafe. The whole point of it is it's not for profit, social enterprise, recovering addicts and people with complex needs. That means the mentally ill on the. I look forward to your application. Ooh. The idea is to create a recovery community run on the spiritual principles that underline the 12-step program that he lives his life by on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm going to help him with that. The cafe would have people in recovery working in it. The food would have been grown by a different group of people in recovery. The food can get delivered around the city to, by a different group, all under the banner of truce. It's going muy bien. It is good. I wonder if we can get them people to give us their house. These people. We want to a building. Because they're that we could buy, and if we can buy it, we can smash right through. Nothing will ever be enough, ever. We published the book, and it may not work, but at least he's trying to offer some solution. And of course, it's ridiculous. I mean, the idea that you could change the world with one book. But any change would be better than what we're in now. It has to do really well. It has to change the conversation around politics and change. I'm nervous for a few reasons. One, I'm in America again for the first time in ages. Two, I'm not promoting like a movie or something where I go, yeah, it's a good movie, it'll take you out yourself, it's a lot of fun. I'm saying, overthrow the government, it's weird. That's why I get nervous about the press schedule being like it is. How can a system designed for one thing perform in a different way? I've got to live a different life now, using the machinery of my old life. What I don't know is how to communicate the information within the book in a way that doesn't sound like a pampered, hypocritical Hollywood person talking about shit they don't understand. Wait one second. Let me just give me give me thirty seconds. Russ, yes, darling. I'm gonna just kill this next one. All right, love. He's freaking out. It's a big thing. He's worked on it for so long, and now it's happening. Russell Brand. He's still there. He's always still there. You sure? Russ, darling. I'm saying if you want to do a quick live tease, it's just around the corner now and still do the next one. Okay. Yeah? So what should I do? Come out now. Just come from away from I left a lot of stuff in there. Unless a party emerges that says, we're not going to represent big corporations, pharmaceuticals, Monsanto, we're interested in representing you, ordinary people. If a party like that comes into being, by God, vote for them. But there is not a party like that in America. There's not a party like that in the United Kingdom. And the reason is because we live under tyranny. Yeah. For him to put his celebrity out on a limb, this could backfire on her. You know, it's huge, so I totally respect it. In recent times, there's been a cultural robbery, an economic robbery where a, a small percentage of people have taken all of the money, taken all of the power. Pre-revolutionary conditions have been achieved. The only way that we can change the world is through direct action and through coming together, through supporting mm. our communities. Now I've recognised what's important, and astonishingly, it's not me. Oh, for fuck's sake. Fine, you know what? Don't vote, but don't dress it up as something noble or sophisticated. The fake excuses offend me. Don't pursue the prescriptive narrative that all I've said is don't vote, don't vote. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying wake up.
If you want change, you've got to do something yourself. Stop expecting some grinning individual to crop up in Congress and help, because they ain't going to do it. They don't work for you. They work for them. I'm saying wake up. Wake up now. when we collectivise, we have a power that as individuals we simply don't have. If one of us refuses to pay our mortgage, we can be in trouble. If a lot of us refuse to pay our mortgage, less trouble. If we can have debt cancellation for the financial industry, why can't we have debt jubilees for private individuals? Yeah. The last time that this country was taxed by an elite group that didn't represent them, there was a revolution and they threw those people out. That is what you should do on this occasion. Thank you, Russell. Come on, that was lovely. Thanks, mate. Good luck. Okay, guys, Fox News, and we're going to break in and do a truth from Fox News. You want to do like a truth in the belly of the beast, don't you? Yeah. I'm going to keep the car running. Here we are at Fox's headquarters. Sean Hannity booked us and then cancelled us, so we're going to do a true special in the heart of the establishment. In this particular episode, Bill O'Reilly is uh, helping us to be more Islamophobic. Let's have a look. Uh, uh, oh, here comes some scary. Get what? This is private property. Whose property is it? The building. Who's the, who's the building belong to? It doesn't matter. I'll just say it then. You want to get arrested? I don't mind particularly. I don't mean to be rude to you, just making some true news. We were booked on to Sean Hannity's show. Okay. And then it was cancelled. Can I come up, have a look around, touch some stuff? No, 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 we, <laughs> we can't bring you up right now. Gotta wait outside. Why? Because that's what we want you to do. Whether the subject is Islamophobia or just the freedom to be in a lobby, Fox is a difficult organisation to work with. We'll run this building one day, <laughs> and then we'll, you know, we'll share it. What we've seen recently with the Sean Hannity controversy is here's an entrenched legacy media network, Fox News. Sean Hannity might get a million, two million viewers, and Russell Brand, armed with a camera and a YouTube channel, has gotten over three million views. The Fox News of the Romans being beaten back by the simple message of the, uh, the, the sandal-wearing man in the beard. I don't like that Fox News. Not only is Fox News bigoted, it's also misleading. I once watched it for 12 hours, and there was not one story about foxes. Just stories about immigrants, really. Not even stories, just shouting, immigrants! Immigrants! <laughs> Immigrants! Why? What? Immigrants! You know that an immigrant is just someone who used to be somewhere else. <laughs> ah! Have you always been there? No, 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 I used to be over there. Ah! Keep still! I can't people moving around. <laughs> Keep still on the spherical rock in infinite space. Keep still on the spherical rock with imaginary geopolitical borders that have been drawn in according to the economic reality of the time. 
Do not pause to reflect that free movement of global capital will necessitate free movement of a global labor force to meet the demands created by the free movement of that capital. That is a complex economic idea, and you won't understand it. Just keep still on the rock. And don't be gay on it! Hello. 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 Sometimes I think the book is coming out as the truth is becoming something that people are aware of, and it's like I've successfully rebranded myself away from frivolous comedian and pop entity into social commentator, and it's masterful. What's taking so long? And I think, really, all this stuff's just, just like tumbling down a staircase. I don't know what's happening. I don't know what people are going to say. Russell he phoned me up and he was very upset by a really stupid review. He's nervous. He's put a lot out there. This is not his autobiography. That's a much easier gig. He's a very good writer, but if this book had been written by anyone else, I think an editor would have, you know, laughed him out of the office. It's a quite rambling, quite strange book. If I feel attacked, I get angry. Like, a lot of people don't want to react to the truth of what I'm saying. They want to attack me as the person that's saying it. Russell is from a certain class, in a country which is very, very class-ridden. If you are from the right class, it doesn't matter how much money you've got, you can say what you like. But if you're a working-class guy who's, in quotes, made it good, you're meant to sit there very quietly and be happy with the system. How come I'm reading in the newspaper every day what a cunt I am, when I walk down the street, everyone's going, thanks, mate! It's only a small group of people that have got the microphone. They're all in their fucking offices with their fucking job. They don't want it to change. They're fine. They've got a job, they've got an office, they've got a cappuccino. But people that are just ordinary people ain't happy. Friend to all in need. If you don't need a friend, you can fuck off. And it might be that your system is better. Yes. Or it might be that you haven't had the imagination to think about the problems that the other system has. So I'm trying to get into a detail here, which what, you, you want I to take. Let me bring figures. up a graph. I've got I a don't graph want to look at a graph, no, look, mate. I ain't got graph. time for a bloody graph. He's not someone who responds to criticism well. His immediate response is to kind of tear down his detractors as having ulterior motives. I think he might ultimately be too thin-skinned for a career in politics, but we'll see. <laughs> Families are losing their homes because of greed. Oh, it's ordinary people standing up to corporate power. What we can add is amplification to that. We can steroid boost it. Russell Brand is leading this revolution of consciousness that is required to occur at this time as we're on the precipice of disaster. This will be a peaceful, effortless, joyous revolution. I don't think any one individual is going to overthrow any government. 
Like Gandhi didn't overthrow the British Empire, the Indian people overthrew the British Empire. Gandhi was just the guy with the biggest ego and the most money. Today we have some good news. The new era of state campaign against Westbrook has been victorious. I chose Russell Brand for my hero of the year because he's able to articulate the really important issues. He doesn't always get them right. That's okay. Is that emotional honesty while having a role within public life? That's a very special thing. I think it's done us all a favor. I feel qualified to talk on this issue because when I was poor and complained about inequality, it was accused of bitterness and jealousy. Now I've got some money and I talk about inequality. They just accuse me of hypocrisy. It seems simply this subject ain't wanted on the agenda. Russell is a tremendously important figure right now because he's one of the few who's at the high level of celebrity who's made that internal switch. Stopping in the middle of whatever momentum career-wise or personal ambition-wise to protect the survival of our planetary community. I think there's probably moments when Russell does toy with the idea that he's the chosen one, that he's the savior, in that way that people with a dose of megalomania do. I don't think he is the chosen one. I don't think Russell has the answers. But I think Russell is a great person to ask the question. But don't follow Russell. <laughs> That's a mistake. Don't follow him, for God's sake. Bye. Bye. I'm forever worried that it won't end well for Russell. I'm not sure, actually, what ending well entails. Because <laughs> if you've got a Messiah complex, surely that involves being nailed to a cross at some point, doesn't it? I think he'd rather be remembered for being a servant of the people than he would do of things that he'd done in his earlier career that maybe he'd wished he'd not. And who knows, one day, the Prime Minister, maybe. You think? Well, David Cameron can't keep going, can he? Is he a revolutionary? I don't know. I think he's divined something that a lot of people instinctively feel but we shouldn't take it too seriously. The media is a powerful instrument of ignorance. Watch them coat me off. Watch them. Oh, look at him. What does he know? He ain't got no right. Ego, narcissism. I fucking own it. I'm an egotist. I'm a fucking narcissist. But I'm your narcissist. I want real change. I don't want change within this tiny little aperture, this little tiny squinting anus of democracy. I'm going to fuck that thing wide open till it's gaping and shove a revolution down it. Mm -hmm.